racial division is a reality in today's world. The death of George Floyd sparked new protest and violence throughout our country. Distrust and suspicion arise. We forget we're created by God and made in his image. We forget that the Lord loves the beautiful diversity of his creation. We forget that his son, Jesus Christ, has redeemed each and every one of us by suffering and dying to give us forgiveness and eternal life. Why does sin distort our identity? Who is the real enemy? Who is our neighbor? And what can we do about racial divides? Join us today as we talk about racial division and how we can care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. My guest is Reverend B. Keith Haney, author of One Nation Under God, Healing Racial Divides in America. Reverend Haney is the assistant to the president of the Iowa District West for missions, human care, and stewardship. This is Kay Meyer, founder and president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. So thank you so much, Reverend Haney, for being our guest today on Family Shield. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. All right. Well, tell our listeners why you wrote this book and why listening to each other is so important as we talk about this topic. Well, the funny thing for me was I I wrote the book because I was watching all the things that were happening in our country. And I started writing on my blog just about racial divides and really didn't really want to address the issue. But I just felt compelled because the more I watched, the more I saw what was happening, the more painful it was because there was no voice out there that was speaking hope into the situation. And so I started writing blogs just kind of like, there's got to be a more hopeful way to talk about race. So out of those blogs, uh, CPH was considering writing a Bible study on race in America. Mm -hmm. And they came and said, hey, we need to find somebody who can kind of like, like, like TV stars do, kind of walk alongside us and kind of be kind of a observer, you know, consultant and all this. I'm like, I thought to myself, do we really need one more Bible study or book on race written by white people trying to talk about race? So I, I offered to them, what if I write it and you guys edit it? Uh-huh. And it's like, hey, we like that idea. So that's how we end up writing the, the Bible study. That's great. It's called One Nation Under God, Healing Racial Divides in America. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to get through the entire thing, but you have a lot of good information in this. You have been doing uh, regular blogs as Bible studies, have you not? Yeah, I've been doing, um, kind of, I have a blog that I do that kind of addresses race, and I kind of keep pushing it because it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. And so I want to kind of keep giving the, the church and my readers at large just some insights into how do we keep navigating through this. And so I keep updating what I'm presenting, kind of addressing what's happening now, because what when it happened in 2017 is a different culture sure. than what we're seeing now. I mean, it was it was more three or four cities that were kind of impacted by uh, the Michael Brown situation, because that was a, that was the case at that time, but the George Floyd thing has kind of exploded in places like Chicago and Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, and just all around the country. And so, the the issues are the same, but the response is stronger. Right, right. So you wrote this a while back, but it's still so relevant, and we need to right. deal with what you shared because it's wonderful. So, chapter one in your uh, Bible study says. It is entitled, Sin Distorts Our Identity. Talk about that. So I wanted to kind of figure out 
where is this, where do we begin this conversation? Because you could start so many places. But identity was key because we need to find something that, that unites us in the discussion. So where do we begin? And we start with the idea that we're all in the exact same place when it comes to identity before God. Because God says, I don't judge the outward appearance, the skin, the, uh, you know, the outward, outward colors of a person. He judges the heart. So with that in mind, it's like, so where does, unpacking that more, where does God, where is God leading us? Like, we're all at the further cross, and we're all in need of forgiveness. So we start there as sinners in need of God's grace. If we look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ who are sinners mm-hmm. and not black or white, then we can say we're, we're all united in the fact that we need to, we all need a Savior. We do. You bet. Yes, we do. So uh, one verse that you start out that chapter with is, We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, from Romans 6, 4. A wonderful a verse telling us that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that God has made us one through him. But um, you also go on to talk about uh, the complex racial divisions that separate blacks and whites in America. Talk a little bit more about that. So I wanted, in the first chapter, there's a lot of statistics in it, because I needed the readers who weren't black to understand the enormity of the problem, and that it goes back beyond what's happening now to really, it does start as slavery. And what's happened to a lot of black Americans is that they've lost a sense of identity. Uh, we, a lot of times the identity is found in the fact that we came out of slavery. And so you hear that a lot in the arguments in the world today, this idea of reparations. Everything is tied back to slavery. So I needed people to understand their, that loss of identity has created this part of the problems that we're seeing in America right now. And so we have to have help black America see that our day does not begin in slavery, it begins at the cross. Mm-hmm. And to move beyond the pain of my ancestors didn't come here voluntarily, they were forced to come here. Um, so I, I laid out that so people can understand it, because if you ask most Anglos where they come from, they'll give you, well, we're from yeah. Germany, we're yeah. from Ireland, and there's a sense of pride that you have that, but if you ask an African-American that question, it's, it's more centralized in beginning here in America and not mm-hmm. Africa or Nigeria. And so I wanted them to kind of understand that loss of identity throws you off in terms of identifying who you are. That's interesting. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, it does. And I actually never thought about that. So thank you for that. So uh, you also talk about how black Americans experience life that there's a difference? Tell us more about that. So um, for, for black Americans, we, there is this, always this sense of fear and dread that uh, you, you see it now, especially with this idea about the cops. Uh, I lived in, my first call my was, in, was in Michigan. And so we, I knew that I couldn't drive through Dearborn at night unless I wanted to get stopped by the police. Mm. And if I drove through there at night, it was going to happen. And so there is a real fear of how will, how will interaction with the police actually go? And so I wrote that really the Bible study, the blog that got this whole thing going was 
the one called Fearfully Made. And I describe what it means, or what it feels to be, to be born black in America, and, and the struggles that you have, having to work harder, to achieve more, to have more expected of you than your white counterpart. And you live constantly under that sense of, I have to outperform everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And, and that experience is, is foreign to people who don't go through that or think about that. And even my, in my role uh, in the Senate, people ask, well, how'd you get this job? And, and, is, is it, and you always wonder, did you get the job because somebody was trying to make a quota? Well, we don't have a black this, so let's let's make him the first black this. And mm-hmm. and the one thing that you have to always guard against is that mindset that well, we can call him or hire him because he's articulate. He's not a dangerous black person. He is an acceptable black person. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I deal with that perception as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's articulate, so he's he's safe to hire. Mm-hmm. And um. You also discuss how these experiences have built envy and resentment with blacks and made the racial division grow deeper. Tell us about that. Yeah, so if you always have to kind of outperform your, your counterpart who are should be on the same footing as you, it does create resentment. Even if you do achieve and people question, did you get there because of your skill or your ability or because there was a quota system, there's always that sense of, can I lose the progress I've made because the quota system all of a sudden changes? And so there's that, there's that sense always in your life of, when, can, when will this be taken away? Will I be looked upon and valued as somebody who was good at their job, as Dr. King said, or they look at the content of my character or the color of my skin? And so you're always struggling with, how are people viewing and judging me? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, one of the things that you said, and I asked the question, but I don't know if, if we actually uh, touched on it enough, is you talk about why listening to each other is so important in this process. Because I grew up in an all-white community, and I went to grade school and high school. It wasn't until college that I had black friends. And it does make a difference. And I, I guess until very recently, I didn't really understand a lot of that, although I do have you know, some really great Christian friends um, that are black and that I love. And our ministry through radio is literally colorblind because I don't see them. <laughs> I don't know. Right. And I, you know, it, it, it makes no difference to me. I don't know. I had somebody on our website that was one of our major people networking. And finally, I looked at her picture. I'm like, oh, you know, and I had many conversations with her through the internet. And, uh, and she was a, a black Christian woman and just a joy to be around. But just um, a little bit more about that, if you can. Sure. So, you know, I think the, the challenge for that is, and I always approach my, my life with, I don't want to be in a place where I walk around with a chip on my shoulder and I prejudge people based on the color of their skin, because it's easy to do that as an African-American and, and feel justified. You could say to yourself, you know, I'm always being prejudged. Why don't I just have the same attitude and feel hatred or distrust toward people who are different from myself. And so you have to fight that, too, um, as an African-American. And what I discovered in, my, in one of my congregations was I walked into a congregation that 
black people had the mindset that we can't be prejudiced. And our attitudes and our emotions are valid because of what's been done to us. And so I had to go and teach even my African-American black members that, yeah, you can have the same kind of hurtful, racist mindset that you accuse white people of. If you're not careful and guard your heart, you can fall into that trap of prejudging people, discriminating against people, and oppressing people. Mm. And so we really had to unpack that. And it, it was hard because when you have people who don't think that they have that issue and they're validated in having those feelings, it's really hard to break through that wall. So I've seen it on the, on the African-American black side. And so when, when white people have that same feeling, I, I get it. And I try to help them say, we need to talk so that you understand each other's pain. Mm-hmm. What I often see happening in conversation is people talk past it, yeah. like husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. Your wife can tell you she expects something from you, and as a husband you hear something totally different, and you think you're giving her what she wants, only to find out you're not even in the same stratosphere of what she was asking for. Very good. Yeah. I want to make some announcements and then we're going to uh, finish up this chapter. I'm going to talk about where we find our real identity and then go on to chapter two, uh, who is the real enemy. So Family Shield cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on 50 radio stations throughout the United States. And we also produce a podcast. Family Shield is giving away the booklet, The Great Deceiver, today. If you'd like to receive this complimentary booklet, call our response center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. You can sign up to receive our complimentary email newsletter on our website, or you can send us your email and we'll do it for you. Again, the email is witness2family at gmail.com. Your prayers and support are critical. We also have a prayer link on our website where you can submit prayer requests so we can pray for you and your family. We always encourage your prayers for our ministry. Thank you. Please consider a gift to Family Shield this month. You can send it to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. You can also charge a gift on our homepage. And you can access our weekly podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Learn more again at FamilyShieldMinistries.com. Now I want to go back to my guest, Reverend B. Keith Haney. And um, before we go back to our discussion, how can our listeners get a copy of your Bible study, One Nation Under God? Yeah, the best way to get it is go to CPH's website because it's a downloadable resource there. Great. Uh, it's the only place that you can find it is on the CPH website. And that's www.cph.org, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, the last in the chapter one, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask is where do we find our real identity? You already touched on that, uh, but just a little bit more about that before we get into chapter two. And I know our time's going to go quickly here. So sure, it, it, it comes. It's really simple. We find our identity in who Christ has made us into. So we find it in our faith um, as a believer. We are re- we are now um, new believers in Christ, and so I, I love the idea of what Paul talks about, kind of our adoption as, as, as sons and daughters. 
And the way Paul describes adoption is this way. In, in Roman history, when someone was adopted, it could be at any age, their entire life and their entire past was wiped clean, their debts, everything. Hmm. And they became a new creation, a new person after their adoption. So when, when Paul says, we were adopted by God, it means, and I love this analogy, that God wiped away our entire past. He wiped away our debts, He wiped away our, our past sins, and we started new in Christ. And so for us as believers, we find our identity in the fact that the pains of, the, of slavery have been wiped clean. The pains of racism have been wiped clean. The pain of our ancestors who may have been slave owners, all of that is wiped clean in our new identity in Christ. So we start fresh as believers with a completely clean slate. And, and I tell people, think of it that way, that forget the pains of the past, and in Christ, you start with a totally new slate. Mm, wonderful. That's great, because Christ suffered and died and washes all our sins away. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. So chapter 2, who is the real enemy? Let me just read uh, the verse that uh, begins this. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. First Peter 5, 8. Talk about this chapter. This chapter came to me as I listened to what was happening in the news reports. You can still hear it today. If you listen very carefully at the news, it sounds awful, awful like the way Satan handles things. What Satan does is Satan gives you just enough truth so you believe him and you trust him. And then everything else you see is distorted. And so we look at the race issues, and yes, there are some things that are going on. Yes, there are some people who deal and struggle with the center of racism, but that's not all of America. I don't believe America was founded as a racist nation. I think America has some painful past, like Everybody has a yes. painful past. Mm -hmm. And so we have to realize that a painful past does not dictate or define who we are. But Satan would have you believe we got to throw out the entire system because it's based and, and rooted in sin. Well, if we took that approach to every area of our life, we would throw out every human being in the world because every human being, as the Bible describes, was born and conceived in sin. So all of us would be canceled in the cancel culture, because all of us have issues in our past. Mm -hmm. So Satan then gives you these half-truths, we buy into them, and while we're fighting amongst ourselves, Satan's in the background giggling and laughing, because he's not the one that we see. We see the other person across the table that we're fighting with, and Satan sneaks in the background and watches the conflict, and watches the broken relationships, and watches us go farther and farther away from God. You bet. You bet. Yes, absolutely. This is so important. Uh, discuss uh, the weapons God provides to equip us to battle Satan. Yeah, I, I love Ephesians 6. It is a beautiful, beautiful passage because he talks about the weapons of war, the helmet of salvation. He talks about the sword of the Spirit, the shield. He talks about the, the sandals of peace. And, and what's cool about the, like those equipment things is all those are protective gear. The breastplate protects the heart um, from the weapons that Satan would use. The helmet of salvation protects the head from any blows that Satan would throw. The shield the Roman soldiers used was dipped um, in water and covered with, with, a, with a cloth so that when the fiery arrow came, the shield would extinguish those arrows. So there's this picture of Satan throwing fiery darts at us, but the shield of faith 
puts out the fire. Mm-hmm. And the sandals were cleats, literally, so that as the, as the battle grew, you had a strong footing. So they, they were like football cleats almost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you could stand in the midst of, uh, of the attacks. And then there's that one weapon of defense and one weapon of offense, which is the sword. And it's, it's the Word of God that we now attack Satan with the Word of God. So as Jesus faced Satan in the wilderness, and Satan would give him half-truths, Jesus responded with those half-truths with the truth of God's Word. And our greatest weapon against Satan is the truth of God's Word. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the things, and I thought of this earlier when you were talking about the sin that we all carry with us, one of the things I like to tell people, and I have to do it myself many times, is don't just ask God to forgive you of the sins you know about. Ask him to reveal the sins you don't even know you've done and he will. <laughs> and we all, you know, we, we, we know we do some things wrong, but a lot of times we're blinded by Satan to things that we have done, and we don't even see it as sin. And, uh, and we need to ask for forgiveness, because when we're forgiven, as you said before, we're, we're a new creature <laughs> every day as God forgives us. And there is nothing for speaking to our listeners that may not know Christ. There is nothing that anyone has done that Christ didn't suffer and die for. Every sin has been covered by the blood of Christ. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the bigness and the power of the cross, that all those sins are covered. Right, right. Very good. Um, so um, what else do we need to talk about as we talk about the real enemy and how we deal with that, especially as we talk about this healing racial division? I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that it is a spiritual warfare. We, we look at the race issue and we go, it's about people. Mm-hmm. And it's not about people. It's about how Satan uses people. And if we don't look at this as a spiritual war, we're using weapons to fight a, an issue that's a spiritual issue. And we're never going to be effective at that. Uh, I was sharing with a friend of mine that if you look at what our human mind tells us to do to try to solve this problem, we look to the government to pass a law or make changes that will somehow make everything better. The problem is the government is not really good at grace and mercy, <laughs> because that's not, their, that's not what they're supposed to do. That's the church's work, yes. the work of the Christian. Mm-hmm. So when the government tries to do grace and mercy, it comes out like this. Let's get rid of all the prisons and let all the prisoners out, because that's gracious, that's merciful, right? Let's let all the people who've committed bad crimes just go, whether they've been rehabilitated or not. The problem with that kind of universal mercy is if there's not repentance and a turning around of one's life, you're releasing people who have not repented onto an unsuspecting world, and the way to rectify that overcorrection of grace and mercy is to hammer down with more justice. So now, with your hammering down of more justice, now you make things unfair again. So you, you've swung the pendulum from mercy, where everybody's free to justice, where now we've got to go back and arrest everybody again. And so there is no balance in the government for grace and mercy. It's up to the Christians to introduce into the system God's grace and God's mercy. And God's grace and God's mercy has to be received or on an individual basis, 
through walking alongside someone mm-hmm. to explain what grace and mercy is. Right, absolutely. And there are so many people in today's world that don't know Christ. So that's another whole issue. So we have less than two minutes left. I knew this was going to happen. Chapter three uh, is Who is My Neighbor? Chapter four, We Are One in Christ. And chapter five, What Can I Do? Uh, let's just... Uh, if in the last minute or so that we have, tell us just a couple things that our listeners can do. So I, I talked to people about this recently. I say, you know, Pastor, this is really touched my heart, but I want to do something. So what can I do? And I said, there are three areas that are critical in this whole situation with race in America, especially for the people who are oppressed. We need to figure out a way as as believers to improve the education system for those those people who are trapped in bad systems. We need, to, we need to work on our justice system for those who have been unfairly prosecuted. And we really need to figure out a way to teach people who are in dire situations to create um, prosperity. So I, so I call it generational education, generational justice, and generational prosperity. Because those are the things that will really make an impact in our poor neighborhoods mm-hmm. and our community. Education is the first one who goes to college now knows how to send and let the rest of his kids go to college. The one who understands has a chance they're not going to be arrested for minor offenses has a chance to actually live out a life and, and fulfill the dream that God has for them. And teaching people how to pass down wealth to their kids is huge. I've worked in so many communities where what happened in poor communities where they passed down generational debt to their kids. So grandma died and now Three generations are paying for grandma's funeral. My guest, again, has been Reverend Keith Haney, and uh, his Bible study is One Nation Under God, Healing Racial Divides in America. And he was just sharing a couple things related to the last few chapters. But I do want to encourage you, and I can connect anyone that wants to connect to his podcast or his blog, uh, just uh, email us and we'd be happy to, to refer you to that so you can learn more. Because I think your podcast, you've been dealing with each of these chapters individually. Again, thank you so much. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.